This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. A woman called me up recently, and she says, Could I come over with my husband? I have some complaints that I'm trying to get across to him. And he's just not listening to me, and I keep telling him over and over and over, and he's just, nothing's changing, and I I feel that maybe if the three of us sat down together, maybe you'd be able to get my message across to, to my husband. So I said, all right, sure, come on over. So the three of us sit down, and this woman starts going on how he's a low yetzlach, he's not successful at anything, he's not making enough money. And from what she was saying, it didn't, it didn't actually sound like he wasn't making enough money. It sounded like they were driving a nice car, they were living in a nice house. And I said to her, it seems like something more than what you're allowing is, is really bothering you. And she's like, no, this is what it is. And then for a brief second, she showed her cards. She said, you know, like, like our neighbors, they have like a maid. And not that I want a maid, you know, she, and I was like, okay, okay, stop right here. Stop right here. Right? Like, to quote my favorite book, right? To quote my favorite book, this, this is not a good game, said our fish as he lit. No, I do not like it, not, not one little bit, right, Dr. Seuss? This, this, this is not something that I like. When something, somebody comes in and they put their spouse in a corner, and they're like going after them, like, no, no, this is, this is bad, this is wrong. And it's nothing to do with the spouse. They created a story out of a complete non-story. And it really bothered me because she was degrading him, she was putting him down. And then now I saw a story in a story, which I believe sheds such an important light on this nakuda, on this, on this principle of marriage, that every single person has to internalize. The story goes that the Vilna Gain was trying to reach Eretz Yisrael and he was traveling near Amsterdam. Now the story is brought down by Reb Zilberstein and Elena Lushabayach and the story goes that the Vilna Gain was staying by a very wealthy person's house and he was there for a number of, non- number of days and at the end of his stay his host came over to him and said to him you know it was our schus to be able to host the Vilna Gain, the Rav in our, in our home, could you please do me a favor? You were here, you noticed how we act, you noticed what we did, you noticed how we daven, we learn. Is there anything in this house that's not exactly according to halacha? Is there anything here that needs to be changed? So the Vilna Gain with little twinkle said to him, there's one thing, there's just one thing. He said, you know, the Gemara talks about how a man is supposed to be mechabit his wife Kegufai, she's he's supposed to love her like he loves himself and be machabit her even yaisami gufai. But he said, but you go way above and beyond, way beyond what the normal husband would do for his wife. You go way past that. You get her drinks even if you're not thirsty. You're always you're bathing her, you're washing this, you're you're always doing things which are not within the realm of what a normal husband would do. And if I would complain, you know, quote-unquote, about anything that you're doing, it's that you're being machmer, quote-unquote, in this one area. So, the guy says to the Vilna Gain, would you like to know why I, I behave this way towards my wife? So the Vilna Gain said, yeah, I, I would. So he says, let me tell you my story. He says, I was nine years old, and I was very well learned. I was this young child prodigy. And my parents got offers from various wealthy families to, to become engaged to their daughter, which was obviously the norm in those days. And the engagement happened when I was nine, and I was supposed to get married when I was bar mitzvah. So 
I get engaged to this girl, and the father promises the world. Tons of money. He even paid for Mechanchim and Rebbeim to sit and learn with me, and Chavrusas and everything. Vayhi Hayyim comes the day right before the wedding, and the father-in-law, the father-in-law, the one who pledged all this money, he loses everything. So the girl's parents were devastated, and the boy's parents said, look, you promised that you're going to support our son. You don't have the money. We're out of here. So they broke the, the engagement. They go back to their community. And they, they marry him off to some other wealthy, wealthy man's daughter. Okay. He gets married to this new, this new woman. And they're living for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, he doesn't feel well. Doesn't feel well. He goes to the doctor. And the doctor says, this looks pretty serious. Let's keep an eye on this. And they're monitoring this and monitoring this, and it, things are getting from bad to worse to terrible. So the doctor turns to the guy and he says to him, look, you're not doing well. I think it's time for you to be moved into like a hospice, a hospital, a ward, a place where you could just live out the rest of your days because it doesn't look like you're doing well. The guy starts looking really sick and ill and old. And he does that. He moves into this hospice. Now, he's living in this hospice. The girl's family, his, his wife's family shows up and says, look, we married you, assuming that you're going to be this, you know, big Tamar Chacham, taking care of our daughter and everything like that. And here you are, you're living, you're living your life out in a hospice. Just give her a get. You live out your life. Hatzach We're sorry for this whole mix-up. That's it. So he's divorced, living in this hospice, just looking out the window, reviewing Mishnayis, Gemara. He's learning things in his head, and he's just like, all right, my life is basically over. One day, a guy walks into the hospice, and he looks around. He looks around, and he sees him. And he goes over to him, and he says, You know, Rabbi, are you, are you busy? Are you doing anything with your life? And he tells him a story. He says, No, I'm, I'm, I'm de- depressed. I'm just living here. I'm old. I'm sick. I look old. I'm not old, but I, my life is just in shambles. So the guy says to him, I have a business proposition for you. So he's like, Business proposition? What are you talking about? I, I can't live. I'm not I'm running a business. It's like, what are you, crazy? So the guy says, listen, I am a mashalach. I travel in a wagon. I go from town to town to town. And I visit people who give me money. They see I'm a, I'm, I'm a poor guy. So they go over and they give me money. He says, but my problem is when I come to a town, I look okay. So when I come to visit people, they say, all right, I'm giving you money. Like, you, you look like you're doing all right. All right, here's a, here's a dollar. Here's five dollars. He says, but you, <laughs> you look like you're on your deathbed. He says, come with me. I'll put you in the back of the wagon. He says, I heard you're a little bit of a Tamar Chacham. When people come over, they'll see there's this really sick guy in the back of the wagon. I'm not just collecting for me. I'm also collecting for him. Now we have ourselves a little bit of a, of a scheme going on. So the guy says, you know what? All right, I'm in. Like, what am I doing here anyways? So they go ahead. He props him up in the back of the wagon. They roll into town. And people come over and they see this guy who looks like Nebuch, like he's dying in the back of the wagon. And they start really giving good money. They come over, they say to the guy, you know, you could learn a little bit. And the guy says, yeah, you have any Shilas for me? And he's answering the Shilas. And this guy, this, this guy who's driving him around says, this is amazing. This is amazing. And everywhere they go, people are giving them large sums of money. They're raising money and everything is great. So he, he elevated his status from going to from a hospice, basically, to being a prop. He's a prop in the back of somebody's wagon, going through the mud, the sleet, the rain, everything. 
They come into one town, and the guy who's riding the wagon, who's driving the wagon, turns to him and says to him, we have some problem here. So he says, what's the issue? He says, we have competition. He says, competition? What are you talking about? So he says, yeah, we have competition. He says, there's another Meshulach who also took some lady, threw her in the back of a wagon, propping her up. She's sick. She's laying there like she's crushing away. And everyone's throwing money at them. So our whole, our whole scheme over here, people saw this already. So he's like, I have to think about what we're going to do. So he goes, he thinks about it, and he comes back, and he says, you know what? I met up with this other Mishloch, and we both agreed. There's no reason for us to compete with each other. That's just going to be, it's, it's not going to be good for business. Instead, we're going to join forces, okay? So we're going to prop you up in the wagon, we'll prop her up in the wagon, and the two of us will ride in together. So we're the good guys that are bringing this Nabuch-looking older man and older woman and and they're sick and they're disabled and Nebuch, they look all sick. And the guy is a Talmud Chacham. So like, how could you not give us tons of money? So they say, all right, let's do this. And they started doing this from the next town onwards. So they're riding into town and they're sitting there and they're telling everybody their story and people are really shelling out big bucks. After they do this for a while, the two Mishalachim turn to this man and this woman and they say to them, look, we're done. We made our money. We're out of here. You guys, like, like we're, we're gone. It's up to you guys to decide what you want to do with your lives. But they said, listen, why don't the two of you, why don't you settle down? Why don't you guys get married? You don't really have much going on for you anyways. You seem to be good company. Go get married to each other. They go ahead. They drop them off in the next town. They go to the local Rav, the Rav's inside the Kedushin, and they get married. In the Yichud room, this guy is like, all right, it is what it is. I first had this girl from this Megabucks family. Next, I had this girl from the second Megabucks family. Then my life just took its turn. It is what it is. He turns to this girl and he's like, look, you know, Mazel Tov, we're now engaged, we're married, you know, Mazel Tov. And she just started crying. And he's like, what's the matter? She's like, look at you. You're disheveled, you're sick, you look like you're falling apart. Like, this is my husband? So he's like, well, listen, you know, <laughs> like, look at you. You're also falling apart and disheveled and sick. And she's like, no, you don't understand. She's like, when I was a girl, young girl, I got engaged to this guy who was this Eloy Otsum, this genius. And then right before the wedding, my father lost all his money and this guy's family just pulled out. So I was this girl who had this broken engagement and my father lost all his money. She's like, and a little bit after that, I got sick and they put me in this hospice and some guy comes in and he puts me in the back of a wagon and he's propping me up and bringing me all around this, these villages till I meet you. And the guy's like, are you kidding me? He's like, that's my story. We are that couple. And that's the story. So this guy tells the villain guy and he says, we are that couple. So if that's, if that's who we are, how could I not be mechabed my wife? How could I not go to the ends of the earth for my wife? Look what the Rabbi Nishleilam did to make events happen the way they did in order to bring us to where we are. Wow. Like a crazy story, right? But what's the Nakudi here? So let's say that story happens. Why is it still that this guy has to go be Mechabed her even more? Why, why is that the Nakuda? So I'll tell you my thoughts. The one gift that you can give yourself and you can give your spouse 
is when you realize that this person is the only person in the world who I have to focus on. There's no other person. There's my wife, and that's it. In the beginning of this story, when the guy loses his money, the father loses the father-in-law loses his money, this chassan was ready to run. And he ran. At the end of the story, he realizes, wait a minute, this is the girl. This is my focus. The Rabbi Shalalim put into play so much craziness in order to get me and her into this place right here, right now. My focus is on my wife, not on what someone else's wife did or looked like or said or cooks. That's my focus. And if that's my focus, then I have the chance to build a successful marriage. At MarriagePro.co, we always talk about this idea that you have to be focused on your wife's needs, wants, and desires, and she has to do the same thing for you, and you give it to the other person without expecting anything in return. But you know what the biggest hitch to that is? When you're looking and you're saying, my wife is so needy. What makes her needy? Because that guy's wife doesn't look so needy. My husband doesn't make enough money. Why not? Because that guy's husband, that girl's husband, makes even more money than my husband. Whoa. You're making a competition here? You're making it that your husband has to go compete with somebody else's salary? He's not competing against the market. He's not competing against what your needs are. He's now competing against other people? He doesn't have a chance. There's always going to be somebody who's making more money. There's always going to be somebody who makes better salmon Friday night than your wife. She might be great, but it might not be the best. But when she's the only one who you're focused on, then this is number one of one. It's the best. If we internalize this idea, it makes our lives so much happier. I don't have to look at what this person has. I don't have to look at what somebody else makes or what they have going on in their lives. The Rabbi Shalom has a plan for each and every one of us. Whether it's children, whether it's Parnassah, whether it's Shalom Bayis, whether it's whatever we may have in our lives, there is a plan. And the worst thing you can do to yourself is compare yourself to somebody else. And what's even worse than that is that you compare your wife to somebody else, you compare your husband to somebody else, you drag your husband down and say, hey, we're not doing well. Oh, why not? Because that person's doing even better. Whoa! That is not fear. It's not fear to them. And that's something, Dr. Seuss, my favorite book, right? It's, it's like, it's not fear. I don't like that one little bit. Because ultimately, when you marry a person, you're saying to that person, you and me, we're building something together. The rest of the world, that has nothing to do with us. When you do that, you're going to build the happiest marriage you can possibly ever imagine. Because marriages are built on this idea that me and you focus on one another, and when you do that and cut everybody else out, that is the secret to happiness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.